0: We have been looking at the Gospel of John. We are amazingly in the 31st message that we are doing together here. And so today we are in the Gospel of John, verse 18 through 16.4, so right at the beginning of of chapter 16. Uh, In the the previous week, uh, the scripture that we looked at was kind of the middle section of chapter 15, where Jesus calls us to be friends with God and to find support as believers in our friendship and love uh, with each other. So that was uh, really an amazing uh, weekend we had last weekend where we uh, were able to think about those friendships. I hope you've been thinking about those and pursuing uh, those friendships and certainly friendship with God. Now, Jesus turns his attention to how the world responds to him and to true believers in Jesus. So how does, how does the world respond? We, we respond in love for one another. We respond in building friendships and having a friendship with God. But he immediately kind of turns to this um, response to him. And these are such relevant words uh, for us, for our day, for our times. Uh, you know, we no longer live in a Christian nation. Would you agree with that? That's pretty obvious, isn't it? um the the leaning the leaning is actually toward being anti-christian in a lot of our cultures around us now um the it, and we kind of we kind of see that coming uh, around us. We can see it in uh, how how people respond to things. I mean, uh, you you can you can see it in all kind of different ways in comedy and what people think is funny, and and uh, com- uh, just looking at all the different uh, ways that people are. Uh, don't want to have very much to do with faith or with the gospel or how it's expressed. Um, So this is a very interesting scripture that Jesus has for us today. I really um, invite you to come along on this little journey with me. I think I read a scripture like this, and, and I think, you know, that's one of those scriptures that maybe you wouldn't come up with if we weren't in a process of going through the scripture together. Maybe you might skip right over this one, you know, and kind of let's get to a little better scripture about the Holy Spirit or something, you know. Uh, and that's where we're going. But this is a powerful scripture. You know, it's, it's harder to love someone that you don't like, Right? I mean, who's harder to love? Somebody that you don't like or someone that doesn't like you. Uh, Yeah, I think both can be quite hard. The incredible thing is that that God in Jesus Christ challenges us as believers to love both kinds of people. To love those that you don't like particularly and to love those that don't like you. So last week we talked about friends and loving one another as as believers. Um, uh, yet, you know, sometimes we recognize that God challenges us. You know, He not only says to love God with all your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself, but even to love your enemies. Uh, all of those come together, and I don't think he throws that one out just because we, uh, that we maybe don't think about it as much. So what we're talking about this week is beginning with the 18th verse of chapter 15 about sort of developing relationships. I mean, if you, if you think about where we stopped last in verse 17, where he says, love one another, it's the last thing he says, then, I mean, it's one of the most rapid U-turns in all the Bible he immediately says, if the world hates you. I meant straight from love to hate. Uh, so we've been talking about these verses about loving one another quite a bit, and now seven different times in the scripture he uses the word hate. So we're thinking about learning how to live, how God wants us to live in the kind of world that we live in. So right at the beginning, um, he's gonna use the word world uh, quite a few times, so it's important that we, that we have a good understanding of what, of what that is. You know, the Bible uses the word world in like three different ways. Uh, one is used in terms of like the created world, uh, like nature around us, uh, the cosmos kind of idea. Um, the, another way that the word world is used is in John three sixteen, for God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. Obviously, he's not talking about the world in mountains and oceans. He's talking about every person that lives in the world. God so loved the world, all the people in the world. But there's another meaning of world in the Bible, and that's the one Jesus is using here, and it means mankind without God. Uh, so he's talking about the created world, the people in the world, and in this world system without God or a, a society that's kind of organizing itself without God. It's more than just people who don't know Christ. That's not, that's not just what he's talking about. Uh, it's a whole philosophy. It's the whole direction of the world around us, the direction of the world without Christ, which is going in a different direction than you and I as believers in Christ, right? Right? Totally different direction. You and I as believers in the world, we want to grow in Christ. And it's, it's the, our relationship with the world is kind of like trying to walk up the down escalator. You tried that. You know, I'm sure your kids tried to, to, to run up the wrong way. Uh, they're pretty good at it. Uh, for me, that you know, as much effort as you're making to go up is trying to drag you down. And if you stand still, you'll get pulled all the way down, right? So, that's kind of the picture here of the relationship that we have as believers uh, with the world. And so, Jesus is going to give us some really specific examples of that, words that should be particularly relevant for us in 2019 and beyond. And so, he's preparing us with these words. If the world hates you, Keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen And yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what was written in their law. They hated me without reason. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the father, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All of this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time, when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I did not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. So, this scripture is really uh, amazing. amazing. It really is a, an expression of uh, what the Word of God has to say. I'll give you one other verse uh, that we'll look at first, uh, Romans twelve two. I don't think it's on the screen for you or on the outline. Just listen to these verses. Uh, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Not conformed, not shaped by the world, but transformed by the renewing of your mind, transformed by the, the way that you Think about things uh, around you. Now, this message is not like doom and gloom, right? All right? I, I'm not one of those uh, like doom and gloom and all this stuff about the uh, society around us, but I think it's really important that we listen to what Jesus has to say about how we deal with the world uh, that we live in. Um, so, I'm, um, I'm kind of asking you today, let, let, let's go to class. You ever had a class? on how to deal with the world around you. You know, like, uh, it, it, we had wonderful worship today. I love that. Uh, but sometimes you got to think about how am I going to live my life in the world around me, especially when it gets more and more difficult. You know, it's not going to get any better. You believe that? You know that, right? It's, it's not going to get, we're not going back. To a, like a Christian society, like we like to talk about what this nation was founded on, I don't, I don't think we're going back there. Uh, it's going, it's going to continue to go down and down. Uh, so we are. Uh, so we're in class today. Jesus says the world hates you. I mean, what does that mean? I mean, we're talking. We're going to talk about persecution. Uh, we m- most of us recognize that we as believers are not. Persecuted in this country like people are persecuted in other countries, right? We we have that awareness. So the Bible, when the Bible says that the world hates you as a believer, what is it talking about? Well, it's talking about uh, this whole process. I mean, what happens when somebody um, comes against you or is against you because of your faith? It's a little process that goes on. I kind of laid it out for you here. The process it starts out with um, feelings. Starts out with feeling, you know, because most of our persecution that we might call is pretty much related to individual relationships that, pe- that we have with people. So, it might just start with feelings. Someone has a feeling against you because you're a believer. Maybe they're, uh, may decided to be a little irritated with you, uh, maybe angry, agitation. But feelings can turn into passive action. Passive action is like inattention, that because you're a believer, uh, they don't want to hang out with you. They don't want to really be around you. They ignore you. They pretend you don't exist. Maybe if you don't exist, you'll just go away, right? It never happens, but that's what they try to do. And then it moves on toward a little little more active rejection. Uh, I don't want to be around you. Kept off at at an arm's length. Uh, So there, um, some of you if you've become believers lately, maybe know what that feels like to have to not have the same friends that you once had. Maybe things have changed simply because you're a believer in Christ. And then it can turn into uh, aggressive action, discrimination, opposition, persecution. Um, you don't, you don't, you don't get that job. You don't get uh, some of the things that are happening, people that are around you, the people that don't want to be around you. And it can even move into opposition. Uh, You know, I I don't want to be around that person. I I don't want them in my office. I don't want them in the relationship with me. And it can even move to active persecution. Now, you and I, in the country that we live in, we mostly see feelings and passive action uh, against us. Yet, to be the kind of believers that God calls us to be in any culture, you and I have to learn what it means to face rejection and to face uh, persecution. Uh, You ever had a class like this? I don't think I have. But I think that's what he's up to today. Is to, because one of the most shocking things is to be a new believer is the rejection that can happen. You can become a believer in Christ uh, and try to tell your friends about it. You know, if you tell them you got a new car this weekend, oh, they will be so excited. <laughs> they will want to see it. They'll want to see a photo. they want to go out in the lot and see this new car that you got, right? Oh, you got a new house? Oh my! Woo! Fantastic! What you show me? the, show me the photo. You got the little tour of the inside. You know what is? What is They're all excited. But if you tell them that you became a new creature in Christ Jesus, they will back away. Oh my! You beca- you gonna be one of them? You gonna be one? The, you gonna be witnessing to me now? You gonna be one of those one of those G- Jesus friends? only because. You said, I've become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Are, are, are you with me in this sermon today? Come come, on, come along now. Um, Jesus, in, in this last part of 15, he gives us some practical advice about how am I going to deal with that in my life because I make so many mistakes about how to deal with this. Like, it surprises you sometimes. It surprises you and it makes you mad and it makes you frustrated, and you might get a little, a little bitterness going on in, uh, in your life there um, as we try to deal with it. So, what we're trying to do today is to listen to Jesus and think, what do I do when I face rejection for my faith? What do I do when I face rejection for my faith? So, we got several points here. Number one. Number one, we're going to say is don't take it personally. Don't take it personally. Jesus says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Don't take it personally. See, it's not you. It's not that you didn't use deodorant uh, on that particular day. It, it's not like they don't like the, uh, the school that you go to. It's not like, the, the, it has nothing to do with your family. It has to do with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, you know, if I take it personally, then um, something happens inside of me. You know, I kind of get my spirit messed up. Or it can even breed pridefulness. Hey, look at me. I must be a great Christian. I'm kind of getting put down uh, for my faith. But what we're called to do is not focus on me, but to focus on Jesus. Instead of looking at the, the reason being something in me, it's because The reason that people are put down for their Christian faith is because Jesus is real. Jesus is real. And even though I'm a pretty imperfect human being, thank God, he is willing to still shine through my life and your life. Isn't that humbling? That God would be seen in us, even though we are very imperfect? So he is challenging my faith to... Trust in Him rather than getting angry or prideful. Jesus said, "When you face persecution, any, any anywhere along that scale, don't take it personally." First Peter four said this: said that we would face it. In the past, you wasted too much time doing what non-believers enjoy. We were guilty of sexual sins, evil desires, drunkenness, wild and drunken parties, hateful idol worship. Non-believers think it's strange that we don't follow the many wild and wasteful things they do, and so they insult you. But they'll have to explain that to God. He is ready to judge the living and the dead. What he's talking about is there's a whole different perspective than just taking it personally. Realize it's Jesus, not you. Uh, Second thing I noticed uh, that Jesus is telling us is don't try to fit in. Don't try to fit in. Um, You know, the United States is a pretty fit-in kind of place, right? Um, You know, even though we try to talk about independence and all that kind of stuff, we love to fit in. We don't want to just automatically be rejected. So, everybody tries to fill in. All you got to, the only word you need to know to know that that's true is the word fashion, right? (laughs) Fashion. We just we get all wrapped up in that, and what are we, we going to wear, and what's the hot topic, and what are we going to be doing? Um, maybe I'll just fit in with the people around me. But being a Christian and trying to fit in with the world is like a square peg in a round hole. It just doesn't fit. Uh, why does it not fit? Well, the Bible says that we are holy. Now, we get that used against us, right? Because they say, oh, he's so holier than thou. Well, holy doesn't mean like we're perfect. Holy means that we've been separated that because of christ we have one way of viewing the world and instead of the way the the world views the world so that that sense of of separation so we we can't fit in we are light the scripture says because we are light in a dark world and because we're light in a dark world how can we fit in not only can't we fit in it's obvious we don't fit in I mean if you take a light and you put it in a dark room it's pretty obvious the light is there right that's what he called he the bible says that we are salt Jesus told us in the sermon on the mount if you if you put too much salt in your food there is no way to cover it up you ever done that tried to do something to salvage this meal that you just oversalted No matter what you try to cover it up with, the taste is there. You and I, as true believers, do not fit in. Why? Because it isn't being not conformed to the world. It's being transformed by Jesus Christ, transforming our thinking, transforming who we are. The world, which is the direction that most people in our society go, hates people who don't fit in. Hates people who are different. Some of y'all, you might be thinking about school or you might be thinking about that place that place where you work, the, piece, the people that you encounter there. Uh, the world hates people who are different. People hate it when somebody else, here you go. Listen, people hate it when somebody else's lifestyle brings procl- condemnation to their own lifestyle even if you say nothing, right? Condemnation to their lifestyle, even if you, you know, we're not just talking about having a philosophical discussion about lifestyle. It's when what you do says to somebody else that what they're doing is wrong, people hate that. People hate that. But you and I are light in a dark world. People like to say, well, nobody can change. Can't teach an old dog new tricks. They, so they excuse our behavior. We all do it. Excuse our behavior, our lifestyle, by saying, Well, I can't really change. I I, I can't, it's just too late for me. Um, But when you're transformed, you're saying, That's not true. Do you know that we believe that you could grow up in a racial environment in your life? You can be raised right around all that, and you can end up being a person of racial reconciliation rather than being racist in your heart because of Jesus. Wherever you grew up, whatever happened to you, whatever situation, I know we could, we could spend a long time today saying, here's what happened to me. Here's what happened to me. Here's this, this happened, that happened. And if that, if that thing is going to control who you are, we got no chance at all, right? But we don't believe that. We believe the power of Christ to make me a new creation, I used to think this way, and now, because of Christ, I think this way. I used to act in these ways, but I don't act that way anymore because of what Christ has done in me, because he has actually made me a new person through him. I have been transformed. That's powerful. So, we can't fit in. I mean, that's been true from the very beginning of Christianity, When the Gospel of John that we've been studying was written, the Romans were condemning Christians for not fitting in. Rome was a place that celebrated Caesar worship, not the salad, you know. (laughs) See, it wasn't the government's idea at the beginning, but somebody came up with this idea that they should worship Caesar as a god, well, the Caesars didn't like that at first until they realized that people pay more tax to a god than they do a, 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 just, a, just a leader or a king. So they'll, they'll pay great taxes. So every year, they made it where uh, once a year, you had to take a pinch of incense and burn it and proclaim the fact that Caesar is Lord. And then you get a certificate, and then that said, I'm a loyal part of the Roman Empire. Well, guess what? Christians wouldn't do it. The Roman Empire thought it was such a little thing. I mean, it's it's just this one time a year. I mean, just do it this one time, and then you can pretty much do everything else you want to, as long as you don't break the law. I mean, you can worship any way you want to the whole rest of the year. They're just asking you to do this one time. It's no big deal. Believers said, it's a huge deal. It's a big deal because we don't claim any other Lord than Jesus Christ, and they didn't fit in. And they admitted that they didn't fit in. And even though the Roman Empire said it was a small thing, those believers said it it is actually the center of who I am. And because of that, people got burned at the stake, thrown into the lion's den. Because through all that, um, because of that, Christianity really exploded into the world. People saw that those people don't fit in, but they've got something in them that I want. That I long for. You know, we don't fit in. We proclaim light and salt to the world that desperately needs to hear it. Jesus said, when you face persecution, there will be something within you that says, I just want to blend in. I just need to, I just need to fit in. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're God's child. You're God's girl, God's guy. You're holy, you're light, you're transformed. Uh, don't seek to just fit in. Uh, Have have you noticed that from the very youngest age, we condemn people who are different? Just on the kindergarten playground, one little kid comes up and says, you have a very large nose. And the kid will say back to him, you have very tiny ears. And they start looking for those little differences and they begin to point them out and condemn them. Everything in our society, everything our world pushes us to fit in eventually, and Jesus says, don't do it. Be who you are in Christ. In fact, the fact that you're different makes the light and the salt salt clear to the world who needs it. So what else? What else do I do uh, in the fact that I'm going to be hated and persecuted, sometimes in little ways, sometimes in big ways? Verse 20. Verse 20 says, uh, remember... The words that I said to you, no servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. So number three is don't try to avoid it. Don't try to avoid the re- rejection. Why? Because Jesus said you can't. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. It's just that simple. Uh, and you and I can't avoid it. The only way I could avoid it is if I could somehow do better than Jesus. Jesus. If I could just live better than Jesus then maybe they wouldn't persecute me. But he says, uh, he was was persecuted. He lived a perfect life. If they persecuted me, they'll also persecute you. So don't waste your time even trying to avoid it. But persecution, now listen to me, persecution and martyrdom aren't all the same things. We're not trying to invite persecution, condemnation, rejection into our life. Um, There are some people who seem to invite it in like they want it. You met some people like that? They just are looking for a fight all the time. Uh that's not what he's talking about here but he's challenging us to not let the world be shaping us but to live like we're supposed to live like the Bible teaches us, like Christ encouraged to live Christ like in the world around us. He's just in, he's just helping you to recognize it's going to come. If you live the way that Christ calls you to live, there's going to be some pushback. Uh there's a flip side. Number four, remember that rejection is not universal. Rejection is not universal. You know, everyone isn't going to reject you. Rejection is not universal. He says, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. But then he says, if they kept my word, they'll keep yours. So the flip side of persecution is the ability that we have to impact the world that changes people's lives. Do you know that people will watch you? and how you live your life. Some of them might reject it, but there'll be some people watching you. There'll be some people wondering, how do you live like that? How do you deal with those circumstances like that? I had somebody die in my family, and I just can't get over it, but I noticed how it seems like you're you're healing of that. How do, how do you handle this, this situation in your life? I know to, you, you know, that's, that's what we're called to be, right? We're not called to look for this fist fight. We're just open to be ready that as God reveals light to other people, that they'll come and they'll, they'll want to talk to you. You know, it's sort of like the Nicodemus in your life. They might sneak out at night to talk to you. They might not want to talk in front of all these other folks, but they know, will notice something about you. It's as if you and I, because of Christ, we become magnets. You know, magnets can attract and magnets can repel, depending on what's in the person's heart. So, if a person's heart is trying to run toward God, then they notice And you become a magnet for being able to help them understand how God has worked in your life, that connection to God in your life. But if a person is saying, I want to reject God, I don't want anything to do with that, then that's poles apart and they, uh, they are pushing apart from that. But Jesus said, remember, it's not universal. Everyone is not going to reject you. There will be some who will come to you. And that is so encouraging. When I remember that rejection is not universal, I also think um, of this as far as our world today. I mean, if you look across the world, there are places where Christians are being rejected more than they are right here and now, right? I mean, actually, there's differences all across our country. I mean, you get in some places in our country, and there's a lot of pushback. You know, there might be some around here, but it's, it's not... It's not like it's terrible as it could be. But when you look around the world, do you realize that some people are being killed for their faith, even today? Uh, most believers don't experience that. But the truth is, it's still happening. The, the, record, the statistics show that there are more people that have been killed for their faith, martyrs for their faith in Christ in the 20th century than there ever were in the first century, second century. Third century. It's amazing. We live in a day where Christians across the world are still being persecuted. I'll just give you a couple of examples. Young girl, in uh, a young Christian woman in China attending a house uh, house church meeting. You know, they have public... They have public churches in China, but they're controlled by the government. So, most believers worship in house churches, even underground. Uh, They went in and they arrested 120 people that were in this house church. This little girl was marked with uh, hours of interrogation, left in this filthy prison, put down, uh, condemned. Uh, Finally, she was allowed to turn to her house. She was more fortunate than some of the other 120 that were there. Most of them were repeatedly beaten and threatened to, to to leave them there in jail. When she got back to her house, she arrived at a house that was barely recognizable. The authorities had stripped her home of everything that was valuable that could be sold. Uh, and when they thought it was, that it didn't have any value, they burned it, including uh, any Christian literature and her Bible. That's what happened today to a believer. Also in China, 300 public security officers uh, went to a church that was registered registered in china they got to that church they broke it up they chased everybody outside they brought in multiple bulldozers and bulldozed the church right in front of the congregation in the sudan the one of the one of the greatest persecution areas in the world today uh, many times the government comes in and gives them options to betray christ to get out of their country or to be killed Many times, thousands of women and children have been torn from their families. It happens there. It happens in Ethiopia, in Saudi Arabia, in Iran. Three different evangelical pastors were abducted, kidnapped, imprisoned, and later assassinated. Uh, It's happening all around us. Uh, But that's not the world that we live in right here, is it? We don't see that. That's not the world you live in, but that's the world that many believers in our world today live in. We have Christian brothers and sisters all over the world who face constant persecution for their faith in Christ. One writer lately said that on a worldwide basis, Christians are the most persecuted major religion in terms of direct punishment for practicing religious activities, public worship, evangelism, giving, uh, and supporting uh, one another. I mean, when you think about persecution, we don't think that it's happening today, but it is happening even today. That's why we need a class. Who knows? Who knows when we're gonna need this? You don't. I certainly don't. What can we do? Well, we can, uh, we can pray for our brothers and sisters, right? And we can pray for each other uh, in the world around. We can learn from them. Man, we can learn perspective. Uh, when I look at what those people are facing, the persecution that I'm facing is pretty nothing, but it gives you perspective. You learn perseverance. Uh, our faith our faith can be an encouragement uh, to them uh, around us. So he's, in, he's reminding us uh, that it's not universal, uh, but some people we can reach out to, others we cannot, but it's definitely happening in other places in our world. Number five, uh, John 15, 21 to 24, when the persecution happens, he says, respond with compassion. Now why? Verse 21 says, they will treat you this way because of my name, for they don't know the one who sent me. Now how did Jesus treat his persecutors? How did he treat his persecutors on the cross? Remember? Remember? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He treated them with compassion. Jesus goes on. He says, if, if I had not come and spoken with them, they would not be guilty of sin. However, they have no excuse for their sin. Compassion. Why? Because they don't know the Father. <clears throat> because they have an excuse for their sin. The word excuse there is like having a covering over you. Uh, They have no covering to hide behind. There's nothing that they can throw around them to say, God, I really didn't know. Jesus says, you know because of my words. You know because of the deeds that have been done. So Jesus says, respond with compassion, you know, when persecution happens, when somebody persecutes you, the reason that they persecute you for your faith, whether it's feelings or indirect or direct, you can say in your heart, you can say it's because they don't know Jesus. Why would they persecute you? They don't know him. If they knew Christ, it would, it would affect their perspective. They, they don't know Jesus so he's talking about here uh, showing compassion to them. The, one of the greatest examples in Scripture is the Apostle Paul. Remember Paul? He found out about this new faith, this new church, and he started to persecute it. He chased people out of the churches. He stood there while Stephen was stoned to death. Uh, what, what was happening? Peter, uh, Paul was shouting, I don't know Christ. I need Christ. And so one day, Jesus shows up on the Damascus Road And he says, Paul, why are you kicking me? Why are you kicking against the direction in my life? So Jesus says, when you realize that you can respond with compassion, you can have genuine compassion even in your persecution. So what do I do? Um, What do I do when someone rejects us? What what do we do? Um, This advice from Jesus is to show compassion, to love them. Number six, uh, don't, don't look for the reason. Don't look for the reason. Verse 25 says, this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without a reason. They didn't have any reason, but they still hated me, Jesus says. The thing that will drive you bananas, absolutely crazy when you're facing persecution is that you try to explain to them, well, this is why it is. This is why it's happening. Uh, and it is so difficult for it to work, right? just trying to, to show the reasoning. Uh, essentially, when you look at the early church and what the church was being charged with, um, you know, when you look at what the church was being charged with as early believers and why many of them, uh, their life was taken, uh, first of all, uh, people would say about them, well, they're trying to overthrow the government. They were not trying to overthrow the government. But what they did was they would not bow down to Caesar. And so that meant they must be trying to overthrow the government. They wouldn't worship him. Uh, they said that the early Christians were cannibals. Then you, you can't find that anywhere. But Jesus did say, "Unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me." which he was symbolizing this right here. Right? Uh, people said, "Well, they're immoral. They believe in, uh, they have these feasts, these love feasts, and they they must be these big sexual things that they're involved in. They're immoral. They greet each other with a holy kiss. It's just fellowship, just coming together. They loved each other. Some people said, well, they're arsonists. They said that they would burn down the world. Where they got that from was that First Peter in the Bible says that the world is going to end in fire. Well, they thought that the Christians were just going to handle that for God, I guess. Uh, so, we we're going to burn everything down. So, Nero, when he burned down, you know, most of Jerusalem, he, uh, he blamed, even though he did it, he blamed the Christians. Uh, one last thing, they, they claimed that Christianity would divide families. That's partly true. Sometimes it is that you have believers and unbelievers in the same family. Many times Christianity brings us together. So if you and I went down to list, we could reason with people and we could say, this is true and that's not true and this is true, but it doesn't work because we're not dealing with a difference of opinion. If you were dealing with a difference of opinion, you might could talk that out. But we're talking about a different nature Something has happened in me. I've been transformed by what God is doing in me. I am never going back to the ways of the world. Anybody else in this room with me? We're never going back. Something has happened in me. It's a matter of soul. It's a matter of values at the core. It's a matter of the fact that your life is saying that my life has changed. I've been transformed. I have let go of these things of the world. I am no longer best friends with these habits and these relationships. Uh, You just can't talk it out of existence. You know, I think we should be a part of the conversation I I love having conversations with people about Christ, but I can't talk, you know, I can't get somebody saved because of me talking them into it. You know, I can talk to somebody, help them understand, but only God can change somebody's heart. Only God changed your heart. So Jesus tells us a lot. He's teaching us a lot of things here. Um, Near the end, number seven, he says, um, when you face persecution, trust the Holy Spirit. When the counselor or the advocate comes whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. The Holy Spirit is going to go to the world and convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. God is still at work. He hasn't given up on the world. Uh, you and I are not alone. The Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts and is speaking to others around me. You know, I'm so happy that you come here on a, on a Sunday morning or a Sunday night or a Wednesday night. You come to a service, you go to your youth group, uh, you're involved in kids on whatever it might be that you choose to come here because I know that when you come here, the Holy Spirit is here and he will talk to you. Many times, wherever I'm standing around, somebody will come to me and say, Pastor, you been reading my mail? Yeah, it was exactly like, like exactly where I am today. Well, see, I never take that pridefully and get a big head because I realize that the Holy Spirit is the one teaching. The Holy Spirit is the one reminding us of, of what we need. So sometimes we recognize that there's this partnership between us and Christ us and the holy spirit around us it's the holy spirit speaking to our hearts so when you and i face persecutions more than any other time we need to depend on god's spirit speaking in us and into the lives of others they may be resisting they may not want to face or deal with what the holy spirit is saying they can resist but he is speaking And I trust that he's at work. You know, when you pray for your friend at school, you know, God is working in there. Oh, they, you might think, oh, they're not listening at all. Don't believe that. The spirit of God is speaking. When you talk to that coworker, just trust that the the Holy Spirit is at work in that situation. Their response to you is not the measure of what God was up to in that moment. It's recognizing that the Holy Spirit is working. Number eight says, I uh, tell the truth about Jesus. Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will testify about me. And in 27, you must also, you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. That's a strong phrase, must testify, uh, a command. Jesus is saying, this is how I want you to act, how I want you to respond. And so he's recognizing that he wants us to tell the truth. And finally, right at the end here, uh, number nine is don't go astray. Don't go astray. So, don't, don't go walking away from what God is seeking to accomplish uh, in you. So, just, just a couple of different applications here. Uh, first of all, don't forget that persecution and evil are inevitable in the life of a believer. It's not because you're doing something bad. Uh, it's inevitable uh, for all of us. You know, we... We must never forget that evil will enjoy short-term victories, but Christ has conquered evil. Christ has conquered sin. Christ has conquered disease, suffering, death, and decay. And that we are so notorious as Christians for remembering what we ought to forget and forgetting what we ought to remember. Right? Forget your sin. Christ has conquered it. Remember that persecution is inevitable and anticipate the triumph. Secondly, there's a great difference between picking a fight and enduring persecution. We're not picking fights with people. Jesus never sought trouble nor invited persecution. He faithfully proclaimed the truth and evil found him. And many times it will find you. There's a great difference between loving the world and being a part of it. So we recognize Jesus draws us out of the world's ways, the world's thinking and offers us the opportunity to put our trust completely in him. So we're coming to the table. We're coming to the table for us to to worship together, to come together in his name. If you're serving today, I'd invite you to come. As a believer, you are welcome at this table. When we pray in just a moment, if you would accept Christ, you have the opportunity to know him, to trust him as your savior, to truly believe. Here's what I want you to think about. Maybe the best way to get ready to deal with difficulties in your walk, uh, in your life, the kind of persecution that might come is just to make sure that you are deepening your love for Jesus. Jesus. Your love and your walk with him, draw near to him. Today, as you take this communion, I invite you to draw near to Christ, to be loved by him and to love him in return. Your love for him is gonna help you to be ready. Let's, let's pray together for these elements. Jesus, thank you for the chance for us to worship together with this time of communion. We take these quiet moments to bow before you, to set ourselves apart for just a few minutes, to think about our deep love for you. Bless these elements. Be with a person here in the room, Lord, that maybe doesn't feel like they could come to this table, but I pray, Lord, that they would give their hearts to you. They would trust you. They would know that you welcome every believer to this table today. And Lord, I thank you for these young people who are serving us today. We love our our young people, Lord. We pray that you would bless them as they serve today and they would realize how valuable they are to this church and bless them as they serve us. In Jesus' name, amen. Please serve us. We.
1: We are standing on holy ground. now we are standing in his presence on holy
0: ground. Jesus
1: Jesus name above all Jesus, name above all name, beautiful Savior, glorious Lord. there's something about that name. Jesus, 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 there's just something about that name. Master, Free. All pass away, but there's something about
0: stand together. Let's sing, I love you, Lord. I love you,
1: Lord, and I lift my voice to. King. In what you hear, may it be a sweet, sweet sound in your
0: ear. Today, we love you, Jesus. Today, we recognize that You were beaten and broken because of who you were and what you stood for. And this bread, we eat it in remembrance that you took all that upon yourself. And we realize that trusting you may cost us. So today, we love you, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice. And we eat this bread in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for us in giving your life. Let's eat together today. Jesus, this cup symbolizes the shed blood of Christ on the cross. You paid the sacrifice for us. You transformed us. You changed who we are. We love you today, Jesus. Jesus. We thank you for giving so sacrificially of yourself to us. We pray that you would help us when we are persecuted. It won't cost us what this cup represents, but whatever it costs us, help us to honor you. Help us to serve you. Help us to obey you. Help us today to love you. Lord, we drink the juice in this cup as a remembrance that Jesus Christ gave his life for every one of us. Let's drink together. Lord, thank you, for, um, thank you for class today. It's not the easiest one we've ever been in. Teach us, Lord, about what it means to serve you without being part of the world, but knowing that we live in this world around us. We praise you together in Jesus' name. Everybody said together, amen. Thank you.